It's the roundtable on dog posts. It's the recruiting edition. Dean Leggy is joined by alligator hunter Matt DeBerry, who also <laughs> moonlights as a recruiting analyst. I'm, I'm assuming, Matt, that your sound is fine, because last week we had some question marks about the sounds, but I think it's okay at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, I think we're good. Matt, it's a busy week. Um, it's a busy week for sure. We just got the news uh, of a commitment for Georgia. Well, let me actually just start real quick. Kyle Hamilton picking Notre Dame. Really not a surprise. People who were um, in the chat Monday night on Dog Post knew that that was coming. Uh, we also talked with chatters on Monday night about uh, Notre Dame's uh, defensive lineman, Jay Hayes, who's just committed to Georgia. A story that you have on Dog Post here <clears throat> on Wednesday afternoon. And uh, there could be some more news coming this week as well later. Yeah, uh, nice to see some kind of Georgia and Notre Dame news going on with the Kyle Hamilton uh, choosing Notre Dame over Georgia. Um, that's a loss uh, for Georgia. He is a good player and uh, one of the guys that I like most in the state. But he did have that connection to Notre Dame. And, you know, coming from Marist up there, Notre Dame was always a team he really likes. So um, it's not a huge loss because – you know, it was kind of Notre Dame a little bit the whole way. I thought here and there Georgia might have had a shot, but uh, the Irish were going to be tough to beat. So um, there are other safeties out there, but uh, yeah, he is an in-state kid that I like a lot. Uh, who is now committed to Notre Dame, and um, they got some added defensive line help today, which is always good. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the situation at defensive line, as I put I put this up on Instagram because I could quickly do it on Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah, did you see that? I did, yeah, it's yeah. It's kind of yeah. fascinating watching the old dog with new tricks. But there we go. Um, that puts him at six uh, at sixteen defensive linemen. Now one of those is Chris Barnes, but right now, really, the issue uh, at Georgia is that they have they need to kind of get over this year in terms of you just look at the there are seventeen seniors on scholarship, 18, 88 total scholarship kids right this second. That includes Michael Chigbu, who probably will not be around. Right. Um, but you've got 17 seniors, uh, so Jay would would come in and be a part of that that group. That would put them at 18 seniors, um, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I already updated that. No, I did not. So that, that puts them at – but it does put them at 16 defensive linemen, which is quite a few. Now, um, some people might not say Adam Anderson is a defensive lineman, which I would get. But he, yeah. for the purposes of this discussion, is considered a defensive lineman. Um, gotcha. I think basically everybody else, Matt, is a defensive lineman, maybe with the exception of Chris Barnes. So you're, you're well over 14 defensive linemen right. uh, with the addition of Jay Hayes, who is a good player for Notre Dame. I don't think he's a guy that's you know going to change the world. Um, yeah, I don't see him playing over uh, Jonathan Ledbetter or Tyler Clark or you know, Rochester, any of those guys, but he'll bring some depth and a guy who's played in big games before he's made plays. Clearly. Uh, I think he had a pretty solid game against Georgia on the big stage. So he'll bring a veteran presence to a defensive line that needs some depth. So I, I mean, overall, it's a really good addition for Georgia. Well, and you know, in the grand scheme, I mean, like you just said, I mean, Jonathan, uh, just to compare, um, Jonathan Ledbetter to, uh, to, to this new newcomer coming in, uh, there's, you know, in terms of statistics with um, defensive linemen, you don't, you know, they don't have to be world beaters 
You just need them to do what they're supposed to do. For Jonathan, right. um, I'm trying to quickly get to Jonathan's statistics for 17 because uh, it's it's kind of hard sometimes to read them on George's website, but that's okay. It seemed uh, like he made a lot more plays towards the end of the year, especially in big moments. Um, you know, Jonathan Lebbers always putting pressure on a guy, you know, on third down, and they you know throw it away or coming up with a big sack. I think he had a really good game against Alabama, yeah, and uh, against Oklahoma. So, All right, so he's a guy who should be have a big year. Yeah, go for, ahead. For comparison's sake, and now for the record, I think Jonathan is a very good player. So I wouldn't expect this sort of production uh, from Jay Hayes, but. For John, Jonathan had 38 tackles last year. Uh, five and a half of them were, were for loss. Now, how that typically works, let me just keep going here, uh, for um, the tra- in- incoming transfer. Now, he's he's not played a ton of games for Notre Dame, but last year he played 11. He had 39 total tackles. Four of them were for a loss. And, Matt, for me, what I typically say is a, a – a loss of down, I mean, excuse me, a lost play when a defensive lineman is doing it usually means it's a set someone back enough to where uh, that ruins a drive. You only have so many drives in a game. In a close game, a defensive lineman can make a play that can change a game in those situations. So that's what you're getting is a guy who's productive, but he's probably not a world beater. And I think if people right. understand that, then all of a sudden you've got Tyler Clark, Rochester, Ledbetter, uh, David Marshall. D- I was just saying, David Marshall. Yeah. Then you're starting to have your six guys again, and if you have six guys plus you add Brent Cox, that's that's quite a, that's not that bad of an off a defensive line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Devonta White. I saw him out there making a couple plays during the spring game. Um, I think Dylan's reported that he's actually been pretty good this spring, also. So he's the one to watch as well. Sorry, sorry about that delay. Matt, why don't you tell us what you think will happen here at the end of the uh, at the end of the week? Are you expecting a commitment for Georgia? I know you don't want to get into details specifically. Right, right. Yeah, I do think uh, after speaking with uh, a couple people about this, actually, I think Georgia will get a commitment uh, by the end of the week here. Um, someone they've been going after pretty hard now um, and a guy who could contribute uh, pretty soon. I think... Uh, not exactly where he is on my rankings. I think he's in that top 12. I think he's in that 12 to 8 range. Uh, but I do think Georgia will get some good news um, you know, by the end of this week. So a lot of good stuff happening. What do you uh, make of where this class is at right now for Georgia? What's your sort of take globally? I don't, they don't have 8 right now for, for 19. They have 7, but with the transfer coming in, maybe it feels like 8. But what, what do you think so far? I think I think it's going really well. Uh, again, at quarterback, they definitely need Justin Fields because it doesn't look like they're going to sign a big time quarterback in this class. It, I think it'll be a smaller class, but you know they're doing what they did the past two years. They're doing a good job in the state and uh, can do an even better job if they hit on a couple of their top targets, uh, which can absolutely happen. So they're doing a job a good job of staying in state. They're going out of state for the offensive tackles. Uh, they're not trying just to get the best ones in the state. They're going nationally for you know at running back and offensive tackle. And um, I think I put in my update today they could get a, a big time safety out of Texas um, real soon. So they're in the mix with a bunch of guys, and it'll come together. I don't think it'll be a top 
you know, one or two class because I don't think the numbers will get them to that whatever ranking or point system they have, you know, uh, to get that. But I, it, they're getting a, most of the guys they want again, and um, they're doing it nationally, and that's what you have to do if you want to play for championships. And, you know, this 2019 class is no different. It's going to be really good. Don't think it'll be as good as the 2018, but for a lot of different reasons. Well, and the, the reality is that we, I mean, I know for me, I, I didn't think there was much way that, that 18 could have been better than 17, even, you know, after the first signing yeah. day. Yeah, but it turned out to be. Now, again, 19 being better than 18 is going to be, I'm just not sure how they would pull that off. Yeah, I, I don't either. It'll be another really good class uh, with a lot of, you know, top guys who can compete early, but it, it, I don't think it'll be as deep. That 2018 class, just looking back on it, it's crazy how they got all these different types of guys. But 19 will be okay. I mean, I, they're on the right track, and they're better, you know, what was it April, some middle of April, late April. Uh, you know, at this point last year with 2018 class, there was a lot of people worried about how it was going. Oh, yeah. Ahead. No question. Uh, <laughs> and that got... You know, I think it's been the the past twelve months. You could say I think Zamir committed to Georgia this time last year, and then well, it was in June. But this was, was the, this was the yeah. panic time for sure. Yeah, this was panic time twelve months ago. So they're in a lot better boat for twenty nineteen in mid April than they were last year for twenty eighteen. So um, you know they're on a big roll, and you know they might get a couple fireworks here soon. So let's just go through your top ten uh, real quick in the state and. These, you know, everything can always change. But your right. one is Jaden Hazelwood. He's committed to um, Georgia. We know that. We'll see what happens with your number two, which is Owen Popo. I think you might have Owen a little high, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, Trevion Walker, Upson Lee. Uh, where just quickly with some of these guys, where do you see Georgia right this second with uh, Walker? I think Georgia leads Clemson uh, for Trevon Walker. I, I keep. He's a guy that I keep. A close eye on. I I felt like he wanted to get it over with a couple times by now. He keeps telling me that he wants to, you know, take his officials in the fall, and he's in no rush here and there. But I've always got an eye on Trevon because uh, he might one day say, you know, I'm ready. Um, and if he did anytime soon, it'd be very good news for Georgia. I think it's a Georgia Clemson battle. Auburn's still in the mix, but uh, Georgia's in the driver's seat, in my opinion. All right. Uh, Do you see any movement with Chris Winton from GACS? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, great Atlanta to, Christian. He is committed com- to Michigan. To Michigan. Yeah, uh, another really good player. Michigan was on him early. Um, he's a guy who d- has no issues going out of the state and all that, and um, he's happy at Michigan. Don Blaylock is a guy that a lot of people are just, they are very excited about him. Obviously, he's committed to Georgia. Your six is Andrew Booth, a guy that Tell me a little bit about his situation as a defensive back from Archer. I mean, this 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 top ten is loaded up with Gwinnett area kids, specifically in the Grayson Archer area. Yeah, uh, and and there's a lot more that didn't even make the top fifty that I'm really high on in that area. But Andrew Booth is you know a long athletic cornerback, definitely looks the part. Um, I saw him briefly on Sunday, and we talked a little bit. I still think Clemson's the leader here, but I think Georgia's going to go all out to try to get him. He's friends with Jalen Perry. He's friends with all of these guys that he wants to play with Nolan Smith and a few others. But uh, he's very comfortable at Clemson, loves the staff over there, and they've been on him for a long, long time now. So uh, they, George's got a battle there. Don't you think this is, I mean, it, it would be impossible to ignore 
that Georgia just signed five defensive backs in this last class. I mean, that's a lot of what's going on. Definitely, definitely. You got to at some point you got to look at that depth chart, um, and other coaches are telling them the same thing. I mean, numbers are numbers, and Georgia just took a bunch of them last class, so can't really blame them for kind of looking elsewhere. But Georgia's still in the mix, but they they got to beat up on Clemson there. All right, you've got Harry Miller, who looks like more and more he's not headed to Georgia than headed to Georgia. Yeah, they were in the the race right in the thick of it this past fall that he visited a couple times and you know all I heard from the family was that Pittman was their guy and um, was really making Harry a priority communications kind of lacked over the past two or three months since then and he's made multiple visits to Ohio State Stanford's in the mix I'd say Ohio State and Stanford are one and two right now so um, Michigan I think is also in the mix a little bit in Clemson but um, the Buckeyes are in a good spot for him he's a good player too Another another spot there where five kids were signed um, this past class. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton just uh, from Marist just committed to Notre Dame, which is not really a surprise considering the uh, religious tie there. Kevin Harris from Grayson is your nine, white, uh, and then William Morris is your is your ten from Grayson. Yeah, uh, Kevin Harris is the guy who really jumped on the scene about you know nine months ago that uh, last summer. Um, really thin. He's long and lean. He needs to put on some muscle, but he's really quick off the edge. That outside linebacker can really attack the passer. And again, he looks the part physically too. He checks a lot of the boxes. Georgia was very much in this race uh, six, seven months ago, uh, and then something happened there. And he's definitely this is a Alabama LSU battle for for Kevin. And I think he was just down in Miami too. I think they're in the mix, but he he's not going to Georgia. And then uh, Wanya Morse wants to play. You know, he loves Georgia, but he wants to play, and that's not going to really happen at Georgia uh, at the tackle spot for a long, long time. Um, they've got some good ones coming in, as we know. So that's a Tennessee-Auburn battle there. So um, another good one. Well, last one is Tresman uh, Mar- Marshall. I know I'm butchering some of these names from down in Clinch. Uh, Tresman. 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 He just goes by Trez, uh, I think. Yeah, that's All what right. I call him. But he's a good. He's a thumper, man. Uh, two thirty. He's like six one, six two. He's got a lot of muscle on him, and uh, he can hit. He can really fill those gaps. Um, uh, he's he's gonna be a good one. Uh, what plays running back too? Real physical kid. Uh, loves contact. Um, and the the staff has really wanted him for a while. I remember him on the sidelines during some games last year. And Truman was all over him. I mean, wouldn't let him leave his side. So he's been a big target for a while, and uh, Georgia's in a really good spot for him too. This is the time of year now. Let me check the calendar here um, for the recruiting world because we're we're getting closer and closer to the new cycles. I mean, the sixteenth. Um, I'm sorry, I should have said this. We are this, we are in the second week of the evaluation period, which will go until more, you know a little bit until the end of May. I was going to say Memorial Day, but it goes a little bit after Memorial Day, and then you hit the uh, the yellow quiet period, and then completely dead, basically the bulk of July. What do you make, Matt, of these official visits that some schools are doing? I'm not aware that has Georgia done one of those yet. I think they are allowing it, but I think they're kind of asking kids to come do their officials in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the kids who really, really want to try and be commit, 
committed by the you know before the seniors, senior season or in the summer and just want to close it down after that i think they'll allow some but for the most part they're trying to get kids to official later down the road but it is interesting because it is happening and i'm still trying to see well, you know you know the who, thing about, who it benefits too well the thing about it is is that recruiting has you know the the difference between um now and two years ago is pretty significant because now we have two signing periods and you have to wonder i mean clearly for kirby and them they took major advantage of that i mean that did anyone have a better second signing day than them? I'm trying to remember. Well, no, I mean, the one in December was pretty crazy, and right. then the one in February, they got them all pretty much, except yes. Rick Sandage, but exactly. I mean, he was kind of going to but, South Carolina but, anyway. But, but were they, I mean, I wonder if they were pursuing Rick Sandage the way that I think he might have been a, a backup plan in some way. I mean, they took uh, they took everybody they wanted. I mean, Quay yeah. Walker, Quay Walker. Uh, go ahead. You you can name them off. Talk yeah, uh, I know. Me and Dylan were down there for Otis Reese to to start the morning. And and nobody. I mean, Quay Walker. I mean, yeah. in November, no one really thought he would go to Georgia. Who was that? Otis Reese. Well, I thought. I mean, that was a different one because I kind of thought it, they were really in the mix. As he was visiting almost every time. Now, the Quay Walker was a guy I I'm didn't sorry. think. Would, yeah. I, I meant I meant I meant Quay Walker. I don't know why yeah. I said Otis Reese. Um, yeah, both were, um, were huge gets for Georgia, uh, towards the end there. Um, so yeah, they knocked that first, um, signing day period in December out of the park. So, um, I, I think there's no reason why they can't do it again. And we talked before, I think Kirby wants them all to sign in that period, you know, as many as possible and a good chunk of the class did. And I think a good chunk of the class in 2019 will do the same thing and at least sign in December, um, if not enroll early too, so it just, it just seems to me like they have their ducks in a row for basically everything that they want to happen. They 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 do it. I mean, they knew with Jamari that he was you know probably coming. They were okay to wait for him until the winter. I, I don't. Know, they're both winter now. I mean, they were they were okay to wait for him until uh, February. Like all these other guys, I mean, you can't tell me they would want any to wait on Blaylock or Hazelwood or really right. any of these. Nolan Smith, I'm sure Nolan Smith is the first guy they want to sign because, uh, you know, Hazelwood and Blaylock have never really doesn't seem like, I mean, I know Hazelwood, I think, visited OU not that long ago, right? Yeah. But yeah, no, he's but got Nolan, some family times there. But Nolan Smith has been a guy that Georgia's not, they do not want to lose and if of those three sort of top 10 national players, top 15 national players, those of those three, it seems like Nolan would be the guy that they would have, that they would be most likely to lose of the three. Although I, I have my doubts that they would, they would lose him. Yeah. Again, that was the, you know, Georgia was his first offer of anyone. And, you know, they're the dream school they offered first and, you know, he was ready to commit, you know, very early in the process was a silent for a little bit. So I think if anyone, any guys wanted to, you know, sign today, I think they most would, but Don Blaylock and Nolan Smith would be the first in line uh, to sign uh, and go to Georgia. Now, Nolan might take his visits here and there for fun. And I mean, just to really enjoy the process, but uh, he seemed pretty a hundred percent committed on, uh, during the spring game beforehand. And, um, yeah, he so did, he's a, but I mean, we talk about, you know, we joke about Kirby coming from the Saban, you know, tree and all that. And 
but he's got it to where he controls every little thing. He knows exactly what's going on, especially, you know, with recruiting and everything that goes on. He's got his finger on it. And again, he was, you know, a big reason Alabama brought in those number one classes. So I think you know, that's was, becoming more and more. I mean, I, you, definitely. Would, you would think that's becoming more and more clear, although I'm not sure. I mean, I, he, he was a hell of a recruiter there, and he's showing. I'm not sure who's better than he is in the country right now. Urban? Right. Yeah. Uh, now, Jim Harbaugh, can, he can talk. He's bringing well, in he's some guys. He's not winning, but, though. Right. Part of, right. To some degree, part of winning is actually backing it up. And, and, and we again, haven't seen that from Michigan yet. And it goes back to, you know. Didn't they just it, lose to South Carolina? I mean, like. Yeah. It, I think it might be a trend because they have to come down to the South to recruit now. If they want to win and compete for championships, they, half of Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, half of their class needs to come from the state of Georgia and Florida and Alabama and, you know, North Carolina and down here. But, you know, the way Kirby recruits and the way he coaches and he has all this talent to choose from in state and then has, you know, the brand of the G and playing for the national championship, he can tell that to, you know, out of state nationally recruited guys that they really want. Um, you know, he's, you know, got the recruiting world at his fingertips. He's loving this. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to read something off to you and I want you to count. Well, you might not be able to do very, I'm going to start in 1980 because really before that's not much different, but, 80, Clemson, excuse me, Georgia, Clemson, Penn State, Miami, Brigham Young, Oklahoma, Penn State, Miami, Notre Dame, Florida, Colorado, Georgia Tech. If you want, I don't, someone's got, you got to pick. <laughs> they get here. half. They get yeah. 0.5. Yeah. Washington, Alabama, Florida State, Nebraska, Nebraska, Florida, Michigan with a half, Tennessee, Florida State, Oklahoma, Miami, Ohio State. LSU and USC, obviously that would just be LSUs at this stage. Right. USC, Texas, Florida, LSU, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama. In your lifetime, uh, teams north of the Mason-Dixon line have, have combined to win seven national championships. Now, you know, the, the reality is that people are leaving the Midwest. I mean, it's it's slowly changing in a way that it's going to be hard to ever, you know, sort of come back from. And all those people spilled into where they spilled into the South, Florida, yeah. uh, California, Arizona, Georgia. I mean, Georgia's population has doubled in the and last fifteen years in this metro Atlanta area. No I mean, question. I see you know Ohio State flags, Auburn flags, you know Texas flags here and there. I mean everyone but, moves here. But where so Matt, where did you grow up? I grew up in Forsyth County, up 400 north of Roswell and Alpharetta and all that. It was a baseball town. Uh, but where I live now is definitely high school football, some of the best players in the country over here in this Cobb County metro Atlanta area. And so, uh, so here's 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 but were both of your parents from Georgia? Yes, they were both from Macon. So they were Georgians. See, my, my right. parents were, were, my mother was from extreme North Georgia. My father was, grew up in uh, Brooklyn and Queens. And the difference for him, his tie to the South was his employer, University of Georgia, uh, was in Georgia, as it turns out. So he had a very real tie to Georgia in a way that a lot of people don't. But yeah. 
his children, my sister and I, there's no question where we grew up. We were from Georgia, no matter where our parents were from. So even if people, um, even if they come from Pennsylvania or Ohio or the sort of the Rust Belt, uh, and you live in Atlanta and you grow up in Atlanta, you're going to be from Atlanta or right. Georgia. So the opportunity for, for Kirby and them really over these next 15 years gets better and better. Oh, it's significant. And, yeah. you know, you can't be from Auburn and you can't be right. from Clemson. So, I, and I know people are like, they'll just roll their eyes when you, you know, but it's true. I mean, I, I have, I know enough about South Carolina specifically to know that even now, there's no question there's more South Carolina fans in South Carolina than, than Clemson fans because it's not the flagship school. Right. At, at Georgia, you know, that's the – and so Alabama – you know, Auburn's never really going to be able to get out of Alabama's um, shadow. Right. So anyway, the, the long story uh, long story short is that um, the opportunities will be significant moving forward for whoever the coach is at Georgia in any sport, not just football. But I think that – Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, they're salmon, man. They're fighting upstream to come down here and get yeah. these kids. They're, uh, they, they're trying really, really hard, and they are somewhat successful. I mean, just look at Notre Dame. Yeah, Tommy Trimble, uh, Derek well, Allen Notre from Dame, last year. Let's not forget yeah. that Notre Dame has a very real tie-in, which is the church. Right. And that makes a big difference, I'm, I'm here to tell you. So it, it definitely seems like Notre Dame – has an easier time recruiting the state than maybe Michigan and Ohio State, but Michigan has come down here and been really successful. Yeah. Aubrey Solomon, Chris Hinton, and a couple others. They've been uh, successful with Jim Harbaugh. They were not right, successful right. before him, though. Right, but he gets it, and I think Urban yeah. gets it, too. They have to come down here to get players if they want to compete for championships. Well, Urban has always recruited wherever the kids are. He's a bank robber, and Kirby's yeah. the same way. Yeah. It's just that Kirby has positioned himself in the middle of the bank vault. Exactly. He's taking whatever exactly. he wants. Exactly. You know? And so for yeah, Urban. keep winning, he's going to keep doing that well, every year. I, I think at Alabama, you know, the one thing, there are different situations. Oklahoma, Alabama, USC, Texas. Some schools are just positioned to where they will always do well. LSU, Auburn, excuse me, LSU, Alabama, Texas. But you do have, I mean, Alabama, it's what they've done. <clears throat> excuse me, is really sensational because there's not a ton of kids in Alabama. And when you're playing for the Bear, you have to go get kids from other places. Oklahoma has done a pretty good job, too, under Bob Stoops and now Lincoln Riley. There's no, there's no, there's no football players there. They go to Texas and get kids. So um, Georgia has an advantage that very few other schools have, maybe LSU. Um, they just have never, it's just never worked. Uh, it hasn't worked for whatever reason. We may see here, though, uh, history, uh, instead of, uh, if you were to run what's called a regression analysis, Georgia would be a very odd thing. And inevitably, the numbers take back over, and what's supposed to happen does. And we may be seeing that here with Kirby. He, may, he, may, he could certainly go in a situation in the next 15 years and Georgia win four or five national championships. I would not be surprised by that because the numbers are too good. He's too good at it. And and frankly, you know, you look at Florida, they're not what they've been. You look at Tennessee, 
that will be a complicated thing for Jeremy to get through because there's just not that many kids in Tennessee. There never that's have a, been. That's a tough job. It's I know really the program and job. where they're at and you know what they used to be and all that, but that is a really tough job. Well, there's no I, – I try not to speak in hyperbole, but there's no kids there. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a few more kids in Tennessee, maybe Division One players in Kentucky, but it's not a lot. Yeah. And that's – that's the thing about this. The demographics of the country and these southern states, um, you know, Virginia should really be doing better than it is, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, but Clemson has done a tremendous job. Dabo has done a tremendous job of going and getting kids not from South Carolina. Oh, they love Florida. There's, just not, there's, just, not Florida kid, kids. there's just not enough kids yeah. in, in South Carolina. There's just yeah. not. And... and the, the question is, if you look at the situation right now in, in the Florida schools, two of the three of them, well, they have all three replaced coaches in the last two years. That's not strength. So you're seeing Georgia, Clemson, uh, I guess Alabama, Auburn. You're seeing everyone take advantage of that in the Sunshine State. And you're, you see the Gators struggle this past year and then this recruiting class. Mark has done a good job at Miami, but Miami is a complicated job, a private school South Florida, it's isolated. It's it's not easy to get to. So Georgia has such advantages. Yeah. And if 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 Kirby continues to take advantage of it the way that they have been, because running backs, Matt, are always going to go to Georgia. It doesn't matter where they're definitely, from. definitely. And again, we talk about you know they just have Georgia Tech as in in state, which is I mean that right. they, not, they love that. <laughs> that's not at all the same as exactly. Alabama and Auburn or Florida State, Florida and Miami. Right. right. Or or Clemson and South Carolina. You know? Exactly. They've got all the dominoes, they just gotta knock them down and uh you know there's a lot of optimism, you know, in the fan base because uh they have all the tools to win a championship in the near future. Well, and it should go for some. I mean, you would it would I would be a little bit surprised if the class that Kirby signed this past year doesn't win a national championship. Not because they're just so unbelievable, although these are I mean, it's the best class in school history. I mean, you've got Justin Fields, Zamir White. And I'm just looking at my board here. Uh, Jamari, uh, Cade Mays. When Ray these Cox. guys are juniors, that should be a I mean, hell of a How many of these kids could be top 50 NFL picks? Fields, Zamir, I mean, Jamari for sure. Jamari, yeah. He just looks like a the prototypical Brent offensive guard. Brent um, Cox, uh, Adam Anderson. Luke uh, Luke Ford Walk- has an NFL tight end uh, look to him. Walker, so, Tyndall. It's, yep. it's hard for me to know about the defensive backs, but you would think Tyson Campbell has – yeah, a shot to be a top fifty, top hundred NFL draft pick. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, but we're seeing this, this you know, this fourteen class with Nick and Sony and Lorenzo and you know all those guys. It's going to look like they're going to have quite a few uh, top fifty guys: Isaiah Wynn, Lorenzo, Sony, and Nick. That would be four in one class. That's a hell of a recruiting job by marking them. Yeah. Definitely, and, and it was a very good job of developing and coaching by Kirby and them. I mean, yeah, it's all here. Yeah. You're always going to be able to get kids out of Florida, you know, and apparently you're always going to be able to get kids out of Tennessee. I mean, I can't remember the last time Georgia didn't get a kid out of Tennessee that they really kind of wanted. 
Well, I would put Alante Taylor in that mix, but he was a kid who was at Tennessee Vol his whole life and looked right. at Georgia a little bit during the coaching, you know, God, whatever they had over there. I tell you, um, man, I mean, Jeremy is that's a tough job. He's got his hands full. Um, and, and, you and they're going to have to be patient with him, and he's going to have to be well, patient I, with everyone else. Um, I don't know if patience is, I mean, exactly. that's going to be interesting to watch. But I'll tell you who's done a better job than people realize is, uh, is Will Muschamp. I mean, yeah. not, <laughs> nine-win seasons don't just roll around in Columbia. Yeah, I've got a, a one of my good buddies, big, big South Carolina fan. Um, and he, he's loved it. He was a little, um, you know, unsure of the hire when it first happened, but he's all in with Muschamp now. And um, they are quietly bringing in some really nice recruiting classes. And I think they'll bring in another really good one in 2019. They're going to get a lot of these kids that, you know, Georgia isn't exactly recruiting to come and play for South Carolina. And they're good players, but Georgia, like we said, is going after the best of the best. So there's a lot of in-state kids that can definitely play SEC ball that Georgia isn't showing any love to, they're going to go to South Carolina and be pretty good players over there. So um, he has done a good job. Yeah, I mean, uh, and if they didn't have these just weird losses to Kentucky, yeah. you know, along the way, um, I, I think he's done a good job. I don't, I mean, his issue is, uh, is that Clemson and Georgia, his two primary foes are, you know, Cle- this is the peak of Clemson football history, really. So we'll just see how that goes and if it continues. But there's not a lot in Clemson's way in the ACC. Um, that we that that um, the, that conference is about as weak as probably it's been in a long time. I mean, Miami has not been relevant since they came into the ACC. Right. Florida State is going through a coaching change. Louisville just lost the I mean, the best player in there, there's just history. not a lot of there's just yeah. not a lot. I do not think they'll lose to Texas A&M this year, um, but I would not be stunned by it because you just don't know. Texas A&M has players, and they just seem discombobulated last year. We will see. Where is that? That's it's it's in College Station, man. Hey, that's not it's easy. It's a challenging game. Yeah. I mean, I still think Clemson will be a five to seven point favorite, meaning a significant favorite to go into that game. That's another school. I mean, Texas A&M has the ability to sell something. That no one else in their region can sell, which is, hey, we play in the SEC. Yeah, and it it definitely paid off early for them. I know they've kind of taken a step or two back, but right. when they first got there, um, again they had Johnny Football, so it was a really big time for Aggie football. Moving to the SEC, having a guy like that and winning some big ball games at first, but now it's kind of you know, they're kind of back in the middle of the pack in the West where we all expected them to. Um, when we first found out they were coming over. I still think, though, when you, I mean, (laughs) Texas is always going to be king in Texas. I get that. But there's 60,000 people, I think it is, that go to Texas A&M. Their alumni base is huge. They're one of the biggest schools in the country. That they are in the middle of Dallas. I mean, where they're really very close to Houston, but they're they're in a, a state that takes football as seriously as it does. It has the population that it does. With Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, all of the yeah. you know metroplexes of, of Texas, Texas, even if t- the Horns could sign every kid, you know they're still not going to be able to. There's still plenty of kids that are special. Not only that, you know A and M can sell to kids in Phoenix. Um, I think that there's there's a lot that Texas A and M can do. They are they have been a slight disappointment ever since the 12 season, but 
you know, you've got Jimbo there now, and and we're just going to see him. Mean, they just got a kid in Grayson, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, uh, Kenyon Jackson, uh, 2019 receiver. He's good. He's got some ball skills. I don't know why. Just when I think of Texas A&M, I always think of a place where the, they'll get these five stars, and, and then a year or two yeah. later, right? Yeah, that five star is transferring somewhere or didn't work out. You know, it always seems like they've got talent, but something, you know, always seems to happen. Well, right? now, and that, that's why you make coaching changes. And right. We're just going to see. What happens there? All right, let's wrap up the um, round table, the recruiting roundtable on Dog Post. Matt, you are expecting news Friday, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, that's that's all you're gonna say. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know I mean, you don't uh, want to talk names or anything. Yeah, I, I am expecting some really, really good news Friday. I will check up with uh, the him and the source tonight just to make sure. But uh, yeah, some Friday afternoon uh, i think georgia is gonna get some really good news on the recruiting front all right everybody will stay uh, tuned dog post matt thanks for joining me and uh, we will see y'all on the flip side